It is so stinking fun to be back with you guys in Tahoe. Our first one, it was like, this is pass or fail. Like, we don't know if this is going to work. In Aspen Grove, it was pretty wild, and uh, it came to an abrupt stop. If you remember, like, in the middle of the preaching, we're bagging, you know, speakers. Oh, there you guys are. Good to see you. All right. And it was wild, so it's amazing to be back here. Again, thank you to Village Church, to New Life, to Cornerstone, all the ones who made this possible. It's great to be Again, with you guys and the churches that are, are here as well representing, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here in the body. So last time, in my hurried message, looking at the Doppler as the storm was about to descend, is I shared with you guys about how we get this faith thing wrong. That we think that belief in Jesus is about where you go after you die. And so that gives us this mentality of where we're waiting for Jesus to like send this ship to like rescue us, you know, and like beam me up, get me out of this like horrible world, beam me up, Peter, you know, like we, we want to get out of this place and we, we long for heaven. We have identified all of our faith as what happens to you after you die. And so that is just completely not it. That believing in Jesus is not about going to heaven, it's about getting heaven inside of you. That Jesus didn't just forgive us because salvation is enough. To like not have the weight of our sins is fully enough. But he transformed us. And the Bible calls us a new creation. He says that we were made the righteousness of God. So even though we have salvation, even though we have a hope in, in a future, that God transforms us in the here and now so that you and I would live, li- would live lives that impact people around the world. And so believing about Believing Jesus is not about going to heaven, it's about transforming how you live on earth. And that identity that you are a new creation, that you're the righteousness of God, transforms everything. That from that identity flows all the rest of the behavior, that we are a new creation in him. So that was the context I wanted to give you really quick for where I want to start tonight. Because tonight the title of the message is called The Unfair Advantage. If you have believed in Jesus, if you've received him as your savior... You have an unfair advantage in this world because life is hard. Someone say amen. Amen. Life is hard. Jesus says the world is going to give you trouble. But he says, but I have overcome the world. So there's something inside of you that is equipping you to do better in life in this world. It means there's something that Jesus has possessed inside of us to thrive and to survive that's better than other people. And we see this actually in Romans 5.17. It says that those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, that salvation, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Again, we see this idea that salvation is not the benefit of life after death. It's the benefit of the here and now. And what does it say you'll do? It says you'll reign in life through Jesus And because of Jesus, you have this unfair advantage for every situation you're going to encounter, every situation that you'll ever face. But here's the thing, is you're not going to live it if you don't think it's possible. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about you. If you don't believe it, you're not going to live it. You see, I, a few months ago, bought this brilliant device, this iPhone X or 10 or whatever you call it. And this thing does so many things that I have no idea what it does. I can send, like, talking foxes to people if I wanted to. It has satellite dishes connected to space. Like, these are the most, like, 
they didn't have this to send a satellite into men to the moon, right? And we have this in our pockets, and we're so unimpressed. But I know only a fraction of what this thing can do. If I just use this only as like a paperweight to keep my papers down, it would be completely missing 99%, 100% of what this thing was engineered for. If I only use it to make phone calls, I'm missing the majority of the technology, the engineering that went into this. And the same is with your faith. If you reduce your faith down to where you go on Sunday and where you go after you die, you've missed the whole show. You've missed the entire purpose of why God not only redeemed you, but more importantly, transformed you. We have to come into awareness that there's this transformation of me here and now when we have a relationship with Jesus. And that's the word I have for tonight is that there are people here who have received Jesus but have not experienced the personal transformation that causes them to live differently. That you're not supposed to just survive in life. In Jesus, you're supposed to thrive in life. You're supposed to reign. You're supposed to have a life that demands explanation. Because I don't know about you, but Christians are some of the most miserable people I know. Christians who are supposed to be the hope of the world seem to be the depression of the world so often. We should be the most hope-filled, the most joyous. We should be the most successful. We should be the most excellent people on the face of the planet because we have Jesus. And so that's why I'm calling this message the unfair advantage that we tap into an awareness of what Jesus has done in you and is doing in you. It makes it unfair in this world. And so that is what I want you to do. Is I'm only going to cover four unfair advantages. There are a ton. But here's the thing. Four unfair advantages in Christ but the challenge is that many of us don't believe any of them. All you have to do is look at our prayers, and you can see that we actually don't even believe the majority of these. And I call myself in that camp as well. I have a lifetime spent of praying powerless prayers that are inaccurate. And so if nothing else, if you don't get transformed and encouraged, if you don't feel great about Christ in you, if you're not awakened to this brand new calling, at the very least, I'm going to ruin some of your prayers. So there's that. All right, are you guys ready? Yeah. All right, so the unfair advantage in Christ, the first one is this. The unfair advantage is that you have God's presence. You have God's presence. God's presence, hear me, God is always with you. God is always with you. And remember how I said that salvation is not about getting to heaven, it's about getting heaven into you? Well, let me expand upon that a little bit more. Do you remember what happened in the temple when Jesus hung on the cross? There's a temple where the Holy of Holies was, where God's presence was contained. And one man, once a year, could go into this 30-foot by 30-foot room and make a sacrifice. And it was so sacred to tie a rope around his waist with a bell that if he fell over dead, they could, like, pull him out. That was the presence of God. And it was separated from the rest of the entire temple by a four-inch curtain that was 30 feet tall 30 feet wide four inches thick now what happened when jesus breathed his last breath split in two no that is not jesus firing his interior decorator that is jesus saying that he no longer wants his presence to be confined into a box he wanted to bring his presence out and where did he want to make that presence inside of you He wanted to make his presence inside of you, not a little box, not a contained area. He wanted to make you the temple. And Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, says this. He says, do you not know 
that you are the temple of God and that God dwells in you. He elaborates a few chapters later. He says that, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he almost picks up the thought as like, guys, do I need to say this again? And he says this in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, for we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. We see this amazing transformation. How about the story of Jesus when it comes to the earth? He's called Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. God with us. This phenomenal transformation. So if you've received Jesus into your life, you have Jesus in you. God is always in you. And this is probably the most single profound truth of my life that I continue to wrestle with in my faith, is that God dwells in me. It's the most insane thing ever. But listen to our prayers. We say things like, God, would you be with me today? We say, God, would you just give me your spirit? We say, God, would you draw close? Would you be near? God, would you send your spirit? I want to experience your presence. A completely inaccurate prayer. See, I've ruined it for you, huh? You'll never be able to say that again. And it's a hard habit, right? And I believe that God corporately moves in, in regions, but we cannot ignore the fact that God never separates you. And so I feel like the majority of my life was begging for God's presence. God, give me your spirit. God, be with me. And God is up there being like, I made you inside, I made myself inside of you. Like, can I get any closer than that? <laughs> you know, I can't be any closer than inside. What else do you want here? You would think that'd be close enough. And so we have to stop referencing God in this third dimension, in the third person, into this far-off land that we petition the gates of heaven that maybe my carrier pigeon will get up to his ears. He's inside of us. And so stop praying prayers, asking for his presence, because he's like, I gave you the most important thing, just inside of you, just so that you would never ask for it to be with you. Does that blow anybody else's mind in here? And it takes this rewiring of our thinking that God is in us. And so don't ask me how this works. I'm not a physicist, not that they could explain it. But I trust it. We have to look to the scriptures. It's undeniable. And because God is in you, whatever you will face, no matter what amount of darkness you're going to encounter, the kingdom always has the majority. You plus the Spirit of God equals the majority. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to beckon God's presence. Wherever you go, God goes. You bring the kingdom every place you step your foot. You don't have to go into a situation like, totally unprepared. God, would you go with me? He's like, I'm already there. Let's go. And that should awaken our confidence to what we believe. But we won't believe it and we won't live it until we recognize it's the truth. It's hard. I get that. And so one of the advantages of God making his presence in you is that it should be very easy to communicate, you would think. Again, we're not like sending these prayers off in these distant realms that he's inside of us. And that's the second unfair advantage, is God's voice. The first one is God's presence. It's always with you. The second unfair advantage for you to thrive in life is God's voice. You have to know that God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Two of my favorite biblical promises are John 10, 27. It says, my sheep 
hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. John 8.47 continues, he says that whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Hearing God's voice is a birthright for being a child of God. You don't have to work for it or earn it. It comes with receiving Jesus. He says, you are my child. And what father needs to have their child beg for the father to speak to them? And so again, we find this place where our minds begin to get tweaked, right? We're like, well, how does this work? And we look at our prayers, right? We say, God, speak to me. We say, God, would you show me an answer? Show me a sign. We say, God, if you want this, confirm it in a taco. You know, like, we do these things. We, we want, we beg God to speak. I guarantee you that there are millions of people this week who are asking God to speak to them for the first time, revealing lotto tickets. I would be pretty sure. And so we clamor, we beg, we hope that God would give us his voice, never realizing that not only does God speak to you, God is always speaking. It's not that he does or he will. It's something greater than that. It's that he always is. His promises are clear. My sheep hear my voice. I don't care if that offends you or you don't like that. I'm just giving you the Bible. And here's what was challenging for me. It's like, well, I don't hear God. Maybe I'm not a sheep. And so you can have this promise be this authenticator for whether or not you're really saved. And so I grew up under this enormous fear of like having people say, oh, God, you know, was like revealing to this and talking to me. I'm like, I got radio silence here. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I can't relate to what you are doing. And so as my relationship with my, earth, my heavenly father progressed, I realized that I was judging. I was looking for God to do something that he was doing in somebody else. And when we do that, we... We completely miss what he wants to do in us. And so I kept on looking over here, forgetting that God had his very own way that he wanted to speak to me. And so this was the problem is that God does not have a speaking problem. We have a comprehending problem. God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a comprehending problem. God is speaking. It's just that we are not comprehending what he's saying. And we think that just because we don't comprehend that God is not speaking to us. And that's just not the case. The Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Corinthians, will oftentimes use imagery like, you're babes in Christ, you're infants in Christ. And he says that in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians that you are just mere infants in Christ. And what is the single attribute about an infant with a father that is only unique about that one stage? It's that it's the only stage of that child's life where the father speaks and the child does not comprehend just got quiet. As you have a newborn, I see two of them in the front row. This is the only phase in the child's life as an infant, as a baby, where the father, the parent speaks and the child has no comprehension. But does that mean that we don't speak to our children? No. And as a new dad a number of years ago, I can tell you that I learned this principle very well. I spent many hours between the hours of 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. begging my infants to sleep, and they never listened or obeyed. And so as a father, as a mother, you will spend months, you will spend years speaking to your children all the time and having them never comprehend it's just part of the territory. My four-year-old, I'm convinced, doesn't understand half the things I say right now. 
It's part of the earthly journey we have with our children that is the exact replica in the kingdom. Is that God is always speaking, just like you would always speak to your child. But they learn to grow and to awaken into understanding. Because just because uh, our comprehensions does not meet God speaking does not mean that God goes silent. You know, how many times does a father say, I love you, to a child? And the child is like, doesn't even get it. And so this is the same principle that God is there, is that our comprehension is not the determining factor whether or not God is speaking to you or not. We first start that God speaks to me, period. Even if I'm not understanding, God is speaking. And so the method for developing to hear God's voice is simply comprehending what God is already saying. But you first have to align your belief that he does speak. And then you have to figure out how he speaks to you. And so I got caught up in this whole thing where like people hear the audible voice of God. And I can't judge someone else's experience. I just know that my phone was not working that way. And so that is the lie that I wrestled with. It's like, that's not my standard. But a good father will decide to communicate in the unique way to their unique child. I have a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. I can't even communicate to them in the same manner. My precious, tender, sweet little girl, like I talked to her in such this unique way that we have a connection. And my four-year-old son, it's just potty mouth jokes all the time. He's fascinated by bodily fluids. And so we relate on these two wildly different realms. And so some people connect with God's voice in prayer. Others in scripture, when I read scripture, something moves in me. I'm like, wow, why does that hit? Is it just indigestion? It's not indigestion. It's God awakening the scriptures to you. Other people have a connection with God in music. I, hopefully some of you guys felt a connection tonight. No, the food was healthy and it was very delicious. There's nothing wrong with you. It is God that is stirring in you. Some other people will hear God through the voice of other people. Where someone will give you this unique, timely word and you're like, whoa, like that is like bizarre you say that. You know, these are all the nuanced ways in which God speaks to us. And even right now, even if this message is speaking to you, it could be God knocking on your heart saying, I've been speaking. I hope that you listen. I hope that you comprehend. But here's the important thing you need to know. We have an enemy. Amen? Amen. And the enemy wants you to be estranged from the Father. Are you with me? Don't, like, he steals, kills, and destroys. Amen. He wants you estranged from God. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with God. So that, that is Satan's greatest motive. If you were Satan, how would he try to convince you to be embittered and calloused against God? I would suggest to you that he's going to do it by convincing you that the, that the Father never speaks to you. In all my relationships, people who I know who've got estranged relationships with their father, very seldom is it abuse or an event. The majority is a stop of connection and communication. That the absentee father is most judged by, he never talks to me. He never communicates with me. He never connects with me. And so Satan, I believe, is trying to do that among his children. It's to convince you that our heavenly father is this absentee father, and the proof is that he doesn't even talk to you. That's how sinister he is, because when we feel broken off or connected or ignored, that is what causes bitterness, that's what causes us to be calloused, and it's just not the truth. 
So what's the unfair advantage? When we connect with God's voice, we not only know who we are, we know our worth, we know that there's only one opinion matters. Anytime I struggle with like wanting to please other people, I know I've wandered according to somebody else's opinion than God's opinion. And so his connecting voice, whatever medium it takes from you, from looking at the mountains, we live in a beautiful place, whatever form that takes, it's important to know that that is the connection which God is connecting with you. So the unfair advantage is God is always with you. God is always speaking to you. Are you guys ready for number three? The unfair advantage number three is God's empowerment. God's empowerment. So not only is God speaking to us, he provides us an empowerment that comes with his spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's amazing. Now why does Paul go on to make the distinction that is the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. It's so that he can emphasize God's power inside of you. He wanted to make sure that you knew that, that the Holy Spirit's not just this friendly ghost to like kind of keep you company, you know, just like just to be there, you know, and give you a little golf clap on the side. He's like, no, he, that's not the spirit you receive. You have the creator in the universe that has crammed his presence into your puny little body. That's what he's saying. That's why he highlights the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. He's making a statement about what is in us. Not that only that it's there. It's amazing that it's there. But it's there and it is powerful. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Two promises there. That God's spirit, through God's spirit, you can live a powerful life. And that powerful life is the living proof that Jesus is alive. So the Holy Spirit comes into us. It's not a puny spirit. It's not this like wimpy one. It's a spirit of power that enables us to live life differently. And when we live differently, we are a walking billboard that this thing Jesus really works. That this thing Jesus is really alive. And so what does this mean? If that's the case, it means that you are fully empowered in Jesus to face every situation. You're fully empowered to face every situation. 2 Peter 1.3, I just listened to a sermon on this recently by Pastor Tony. He says, his divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness according to the true knowledge of him. His divine power has granted us all things. It didn't say some things. It didn't say maybe a couple things. It says all things pertain to life and godliness according to the true knowledge. How are we prepared? Through his divine power. But you notice that there is that little asterisk on the end there, right? According to the true knowledge of him. What does that even mean? I believe that means that you actually have to believe in a God who empowers you. That God can give us all things pertaining to life and godliness, that it's his power. But the true knowledge is really that that's the God I believe in. Because we can believe in a God that exists, that created the heavens and the earth. We can believe these different things. But we need to believe in a God that is empowering us to live differently. That's when transformation happens. And you can live a powerless life for as long as you believe you are powerless. 
If we feel powerless, it's probably because we haven't checked the Bible to, to read what it says, what's inside of us. You are this like nuclear power plant of God's spirit inside of you. And like, I just have no electricity in here. It's so odd. And he's like, I've given you everything. And so our prayers, again, betray us. Because we look at our prayers and we read our prayers and they say, God, would you just, God, would you just cause this? God, would you just change this? God, would you just do this? And notice that God gives us unbelievable power. He gives us his spirit. He gives us everything. And then we go and we beg. And we pretend that we haven't, have, we haven't received his spirit in us. That we move from receiving to a mindset that we lack. Are you guys with me? And so Jesus did not ask us to look at mountains and then be intimidated by the size of our mountains and then go complain to him about the size of the mountains. No, Jesus says, look to the mountain, speak to the mountain, and command it into the sea. And he says, and it will be thrown into the sea. But what we do is we go into prayer and we, t- and we go like, oh God, like man, this is such a big mountain. It's got snow on it. It's got goats up there. It's so intimidating. This mountain in my life is insurmountable and it's really big. And we move into a method of, of complaining in our prayers about how big our problems are. And I believe that Jesus doesn't want us to talk to him about the size of our mountains, but he wants us to talk to our mountains about the size of our God. You see, we spend a lot of time in prayer requesting. And I believe that God wants us to spend more time in our prayers declaring. A dear friend of ours, he just discovered his five-year-old son just this week has developed cancer. Five. And there's many of you guys who have had victories and, and we know family members who've lost. My own family's had cancer. But five, I'm, oh my gosh. You know, just like the utter despair and the devastation. And so I was like in Sacramento, I was driving home and I just started praying. It's like commanding everything. It's like commanding every cell, every vein, every bone. I was inventing biological terms that don't exist and telling them to obey to Jesus. I, just, I was commanding because I just felt like if we spend all of our times begging and pleading, we might not see the breakthrough that Jesus promised us when we command. And so I'm troubled by these things in our world, but I just know that complaining and being intimidated is not the biblical model It says that we're supposed to approach God's throne of grace with boldness. Hebrews 4, 16. That we're supposed to approach his throne with boldness and confidence. And that's the confidence we should approach any challenges. We said, I don't care how big this is, how intimidating this is. Wait till you see my father in heaven. Because, oh boy, you're going to have a talking to. And that is the mindset that we need to shift from. From having a mindset that says, I lack all things, I'm powerless And God, would you do something? He's empowering us to be a powerful force in his breakthrough that he wants to do on earth. And he partners with you because he's in you. Folks, we have the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead to live differently and to cause breakthrough. If that's not an unfair advantage, I don't know what to tell you. So the unfair advantage, are you guys okay? So far so good? All right. So the unfair advantage is that God is always with us. God is always speaking to us. And God has empowered you 
Ready for the last one? Unfair advantage number four is God's equipping. God has equipped you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Let me just let that sink in for a moment. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. It's Ephesians 1.3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every possible spiritual resource that you would desire to reign and to thrive in life has already been given to you. And so the Bible tells us that we have the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you guys know this. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, remember, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you have the Spirit of God, if you receive Jesus, he dwells in you, you have the fruit of the Spirit. Now here's a common mistake is that we think it's fruits, plural. We think it's like I get some peace, I get some patience. It's like at a farmer's market, I kind of pick out. That's not the case. It's fruit, singular. It's one fruit. Talk about a super fruit, right? And so you don't get some of them. You get all of them. We all should be saying amen. Amen. (laughs) But do we really believe it? Look at our prayers again. God, would you give me love? God, would you give me joy? God, would you give me peace. God, would you give me patience? It's almost like we're quoting the Bible of the things he's already given us. And he's given this to him freely. He's like, I already did. It's already in you. And I realized for a long time, spending the majority of my life praying for all these things, that God, that I was, my prayers were filled with things that God had already given me. So much of our prayers, we're asking and begging and pleading God, and he's like, I've already given it to you. Because I didn't save you and then leave you unprepared. Colossians 2.10 says that you have the fullness of God. We're fully equipped. And so we're like, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I have all these things. Well, we need to stop being such feelers and start being believers. You're not called a feeler. You are called a believer for the very reason that you need to live a life that defies your feelings. If your feelings don't match up, that's a good thing because we're believers, not feelers. Believing means that I am trusting, I am moving, I'm responding in a direction that defies how my feelings are. So I don't care if you don't feel like you have peace or patience or kindness. You do. God has given it to you, and he's saying all we need to do is appropriate and apportion it. It's entirely possible to die of of starvation while having a full refrigerator. It's entirely possible to live on the streets, yet have a full bank account. I was in Santa Barbara in college, and we went on this pier, and there's this man who's begging outside the restaurant. And my mom, if you know my mom, she adopts everybody. I mean, even stray dogs. She's like, oh, we just need a home. You know, she's like the most compassionate person ever. And so she finds this man who's begging, and she goes in there, and she, she talks to the restaurant. She's like, hey, I, I want to buy this man some meals. And they're like, oh, honey, oh, no, no, he's like, he's worth like $50 million. He just is doing, like, we don't know why. Like, he's like one of the richest men in the, the city. And so you can have an experience that is unnecessary for your equipping. We need to live according to the equipping. That God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, which allows us to have a supernatural response to every situation in life. 
Now, I would say unnatural response here, but I don't like identifying the kingdom with something that's unnatural. Let me explain. You are equipped to respond in different ways than what would be normal. In Christ, he has given you the capacity to look at natural things and natural situations and circumstances, intimidating things, and have a response that is unnatural. I will call that supernatural because it doesn't make any sense. Let me give you some examples. That, that the natural says to be fearful, but the supernatural says have peace. Where the natural says you better freak out, where the supernatural would say be joyful. Where the natural says be outraged, but the supernatural says be kind. That the natural says to get even, but the supernatural says to love. We have been given a capacity and ability to defy our circumstances with our response. And that it's only a gift of God that he grants us, that he grants us the ability and the capacity to provide a response that doesn't match the circumstance. This past Wednesday, I was at our headquarters. I have a software business, so I do full-time. I was in our headquarters in Sacramento. We're a small, scrappy company. We're like just over 30 employees. We make software for events and fundraising and all sorts of fun stuff. But we're tiny. We have no venture capital. We have really no one that's helping us out. It's just kind of us. And... On my desk is a FedEx envelope. And no one sends me mail very often, especially in a FedEx envelope. And it's priority next day air. I was like, oh, someone wants to talk to me. So I look at it, and the return address is a big law firm. And inside is our biggest competitor threatening us, saying, we don't like what you are doing. Stop it, or else we're going to sue you into the Stone Age, is basically what it said. Now, this company... 4,000 employees, hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital. Uh, they're probably worth at least $3 billion. They were listed on the New York Stock Exchange writing me letters. Awesome. I mean, they have more people changing the urinal cakes in their restrooms than we have entire staff. <laughs> it's just completely unfair in the size difference. And so the natural said, poop your pants. And believe me, that's what it felt like. As I'm sitting there, like, holding this paper, legal letterhead, like, I'm reading it, my hands are shaking, my blood pressure's, like, through the roof. I can, like, you know, you have, like, feel like you can actually feel your heart. I'm like, dang. And I'm just, like, my breathing started moving. And then I stopped. I'm like, wait. I have an answer for this. I declared. I was like, thank you, Jesus, I have all peace. Thank you, Jesus, that have all peace inside me right now. I apportion peace for this situation. And this calm just came over me and my sphincter at the same time. <laughs> Too much information, I know. It was amazing that I was like right there. I was right there and like I'm in the most intimidating moment in my life and then I stopped and realized I'm going to apply what has already been deposited in me. You have a deposit in your life. If you've received Jesus, a deposit that grants you fullness, all peace, all patience, all kindness, all love, all joy, and you just need to write the check to the situation. They might have an army of attorneys, but I have the Spirit of God on my side. And so therefore I can look at the situation and not be intimidated. I can actually go in my prayers and say, thank you, Lord. I start my prayers in this, this situation. Thank you, Lord, that I have all peace. 
Thank you, Lord, that I have all love. Thank you, Lord, I have all joy. And I start taking pictures and, like, start sharing with our teams, like, look who's mad at us. This is amazing. <laughs> they know our names under poor circumstances, but they know it anyways, you know. So, and it's just amazing response. And so the, the Apostle Paul, he, he gives us this statement. He says, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe that is Wisdom, that I don't get myself sued by acting stupidly, which is possible. The, the claims are totally bogus, by the way, in case I didn't make that clear. But then revelation. Wisdom, that I could live an excellent and fruitful life. And then revelation. Well, what does revelation mean? I believe it's actually coming into awareness of what I already possess. I'm going to act with wisdom, be thoughtful, but revelation. God, would you wake him? my eyes to see what I've already been given. That he's given you everything already for life and godliness. We just need to appropriate it. And so what's the unfair advantage in Jesus? It's that God is always with you. It's that God is always speaking to you. It's that God has empowered you to be powerful, that you are not a victim of your circumstances. Your circumstances are a victim to your God. And that God has empowered you with every. He's equipped you with every spiritual blessing. You are not without resource. You are not in lack. You are not unprepared. You're not ill-equipped. You're fully equipped and fully empowered by him. As a believer, you are the most qualified person to live a thriving life. You are the most qualified person on the planet to have a life that creates hope that creates a move, that creates people that say, tell me how you are doing what you're doing. We are a people that should have an outflow of our lives that has people saying, tell me about this Jesus in you. I have to learn. But I realize that's not our experience. And our experience will begin to change when we believe what is inside of us, that God has given us an unfair advantage to face the world that's hurting and waiting for people like you to come in and to be hope. Thank you, guys.